Are you friends with Will? Yes. I know. Have you spoken to him? Yes. It's too, it's too wild. Because you're also really good friends with Chris. Yeah. Too, it's also very fucking private and very... That's Public. where I'm saying where I pick the phone up and it's like, what? That's my theme music. My son-in-law did this. In the den. I think my daughter was in the other room listening to this. This is my podcast. This is Howie Mandel Does Stuff. And I have uh, a guy sitting here uh, who I... Uh, I really look up to you have, I do because no, I think that what you have done and what you continue to do is innovate Neil Brennan. And, and I'm sure that anybody listening to this already knows who you are. Um, but you're really funny in your own right as a standup comic, mm -hmm. as a, as a, as a writer, mm -hmm. I think that you have made the people that you work with funnier and epic. Ideally. It, it, well, that's the, yeah. if you're directing and you're producing and you're writing, I think that is the, your mission, but you are such an interesting character yourself. I think I've always been fascinated. I Thank know you. a little bit about you. Um, I know you come from a, like a family of 10, yes. which is already wild. It really is. It's the thing that people don't do anymore. No, I know because I, I you know, I have three children you know, which I think is wild. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> it is. Yeah. You know, and they have grandchildren. I can't imagine, uh, well, your, your mother's vagina. <laughs> I can't. And I, I don't prefer wanna... you not. Thank you. But I'm just saying to be pregnant for 10 years, somebody. 16, uh, 16 years, 10 kids. It's crazy. Isn't that wild? I mean, and you're the baby. And you're the baby. I'm the last. Yes, you're the. So I'm they the, gave up. I'm they, the ideal. It, does it bother you that you know they they obviously weren't they didn't have a limit, you know? I, I'm just saying, let's have another one. Let's have another one. Let's have another one. Then you meet Neil, and you go, eh, no more. <laughs> or I think this. I don't think we can do better. Oh, you know what I mean? They're like that's last half full. It. Yeah, they go this. We're not beating this. this how they, old? St they stuck. How old are you? Forty-eight years young. And how old is your oldest sibling? 64. Wow. Yeah. And is that, are you close? Are you all close? No. Mm. Uh, that's the, the bigger the family gets. It's, it was a little chaotic The my parent, you know, my dad's an alcoholic and all that stuff. So you talked uh, about that. Yeah. Special. I talked about it in the, in the three mics on yeah. Netflix. And, uh, and so it's a, it's, but he's from one of 13, like it, it's a, my mom's mom died when she was super young. And so my mom's family got split up. So they never knew how to do a family. How do you do 10? You don't do 10. I don't it's think, yeah, I think it's, I think it's like, uh, it's you, you get on, it's a sinking ship <laughs> to begin <laughs> with. And you're just, you're just trying to, you're putting the slap tape. Like the Titanic, which I yeah. know you haven't seen, right? You say you haven't seen. I don't think, I, I don't think that's me. I've seen it. Oh, you have? Yeah. Because I read that, uh, that uh, okay, you said- No, it, I it, thought- uh, it Because Half-Baked- half The movie Half-Baked opened against Titanic. Right. And you said I didn't go see it. Was that a, that was a joke? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think I said I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Maybe I meant I didn't go see uh, Half-Baked. I went oh, to see- Oh, you went to see Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't even it. help your own box What's office. What's funny is they charge the same amount of money for Half-Baked and Titanic. And it's like, well, that's a better deal. You're getting on on Titanic. You're getting a better from the getting, guy who made from the guy who made have. You're getting Titanic costs the same as most. They all cost the same. So 
Of course I'd go to the, they just put more money into that. Yeah, but you think about this, Titanic, nobody even made up the story. You made up Half-Baked. I did, I made it up uh, based on old um, structures uh, created by Adam Sandler. And and we just kind of followed like- Really? uh, Yeah, and I've talked to Sandler about it. There was a thing in the 90s where we were all just doing, we realized like the way to do like comedy movies was it's a fundraiser. We got to save the, you got to save something. We got to make money to get like a uh, hap, uh, happy Gilmore is his mom's, his mom's house gets repossessed. Right. And then she's in a retirement home and Ben Stiller's the evil guy in the retirement home. So Adam needs to make money to help his grandma or you got to right. make money to do X dirty work. Norm was making dirty work at the same time we were making that big. Like there's all these things of like, I need money to do whatever, that movie Night Shift, that the Ron Howard movie, the Henry Wink, like there, that's kind of a good comedy format. You know, I went down to it was down to me and Michael Keaton for Billy, Billy Blaze. The reason I mentioned, as I said it, I was like, I'm sure you were up for all those movies. I was. And I was. was it? I didn't like making movies. Go say more about that. Why not? Um, I, you know, I fell into stand up comedy accidentally. You know, it was a dare, and it was the first time I ever felt the warmth of somebody kind of understanding this uh, i'm kind of an outsider and uh i I never really fit in anywhere Mm -hmm. and you kind of talk about that i have a new show i know unacceptable that's like very unacceptable so that's but i think you're not alone i think everybody feels unacceptable i ironically yeah i believe so but i i really felt it and lived it and i didn't have uh, many friends and uh no friends in high school and then when in the mid 70s when comedy uh, was flourishing and there were stand-up clubs in every city. I just went because I'm not a dancer. I didn't like disco, you know, sure. either my friends were either. Yeah, there was nothing. I was, I've been doing a joke about that. There was nothing to do in the seventies and eighties. Well, I, I beg to differ, you know, well, but relative to now in terms of entertainment, in terms of like the amount of TV shows, the amount of movies, the amount of streaming, the amount of on your phone like there was like you'd go there were eight movies well it seemed to me that everybody had something to do except me so they were going you know i read about club 54 studio 54 studio 54 54, or i had friends that were into sports so they would show up and for a basketball game someplace or they were into gambling so there'd be a poker game i did nothing i did nothing i didn't i i didn't do you drink um not at the moment Right. But I, 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 I did get, you know, I, I smoked pot and, right. and got high. That's something. That, that's like a good way in. I don't even do that. You don't do that? No, I don't really smoke weed and I don't really drink very We'll much. talk about it later, yeah. but I know you did ayahuasca and you yeah, found yeah, God. We'll talk about that. Yeah, I, I sure did. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> it's not important. Usually uh, ayahuasca would go the other way, that you would lose God and, and just believe in yourself. But anyway, we'll talk, we'll talk about, we'll talk about that yes. in a minute. But, but the, um, so, uh, I got up on stage without thinking of the ramifications of what this even means, not looking for a a career, no aspirations to be in show business. And I started, I was just terrified and uh, I I acted out my terror by going, uh, okay, okay. All right. All right. And people were giggling and laughing. And then they asked me to come back the next night. It's so funny. The idea of that being a real emotion at one point, meaning because it just became like a hook. Right. Just like, okay, okay. Like, yeah. And then, but the idea that at some point you were so panicked, panicked, 
panic, terror. The, the, I'm telling you that I was numb with fucking terror. So numb with fucking terror. I remember and, you talking about this on Marin, I believe, right? Yeah. So numb with terror that, you know, I've uh, I've been real open about my mental health problems. You know, I carried rubber gloves with me because if I was out in public, I knew that I had to go to uh, public restrooms. And so I carried rubber gloves. And uh, out of nothing to do, I just wanted to fucking die. I wanted to hide. I pulled a rubber glove over my head and started breathing. And the fingers were going up. And the crowd roared. And that became my signature piece. The, the the point is that you got lucky with like your your fight or flight instincts are very entertaining. I learned that basically. I mean, but you didn't know you were just like no. ah, you panicked, right? Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and you just happened to do like hilarious shit that was that was kind of weirdly the the balloon thing has got like a narrative element to it right because it's like eventually gonna pop but you don't know that right i mean maybe you'd done it off stage and knew what would happen but i did pop it right but i'm saying did you do that before you got on stage had you done that no never so you did that you improv the balloon yes fuck why how do you plan that I, I don't I, I would assume you're a maybe writer done you're a creator no where would I go where would I go it, not being a comedian right not um and and not not having a plan you know I'm, I can't go bowling tonight because I'm gonna try this thing with a glove not, where am I gonna do that but you know that a lot of guys do stuff in the mirror I've never been one of those guys but like Jim Carrey would make all of his faces, faces. in the mirror or whatever yeah, you're but right like, but so that's why I'm wondering. Well, you can't do that in the mirror because you can't see from inside the glove. So there's no reflection. There was nothing I could so see. So you're there. you're in the glove. It's getting laughs. You're inside the glove. You can't see much. And no. it popped off my head. They roared. I ran off the stage in terror. And Mark Breslin, who owns the club, who owned Yuck yep. Yucks, all the Yuck Yucks yep. club, said, oh, you got to come back tomorrow. And I said, why? Why? <laughs> He goes, do it again. I go, do what again? He goes, do what you did. I go, what the fuck did I do? What did I do? He goes, just try to remember what you did. And I went, okay. You know, and I'm unlike- Are you there by yourself or you're there with somebody? One friend. Did he, did he, was, did he like walk you through it afterward? No. No, we really didn't. I, I just, I feel like my whole life is just- I also feel like I'm on your podcast right now. <laughs> I, I good because I'm more interested. I mean, the thing is, people watch this. People are as interested in you as they are in me, right? So, meaning if they, they're maybe. But I think are people are excited. I think they're really. I'm excited about talking to you. I mean, uh, you can ask me right, questions, but I happy. have my question is because I always like you don't have to pay me. I, I'll answer questions. I'm taking my wallet up. Um, some people listen to this just audio. I I keep. I'm an old man, so I keep a handkerchief in my wallet. You do not. That's not a handkerchief. It's not a handkerchief. Oh, thank but God. do you remember that? Like my guys, my dad's age. Yeah, who's dead? Which was my would blow their noses and, and then, then put, put it back, it back in, their in, pocket. in their pocket, and then later on do something else with it, and then later on do something else. Did that, that not fucking? I used to scream like a little girl when well, that's, somebody. But you're Howie Mandel. You got to keep that in mind. But he put it back in his pocket. He puts a snot cloth back in his yep. pocket, and then. I know that my father-in-law did that, and then I'd see my mother-in-law doing the laundry, and my wife's clothes are in the same yes. bin as the fucking snot rags. Yep, it's just horrible. Now um, you just uh, yeah. Now I can't remember anything we were talking about. We were because talking that about. So here's what I'm, we're talking about. What I love I, that you're cleaning I your remember, glasses for this. A is how serious a, a little boy I was. I was. I couldn't believe how good the episode of Saint Elsewhere, where you died, was. That I think got nominated for an Emmy. I didn't. But. That's odd. 
uh, that's like Dave didn't get nominated for a Chappelle show, but we did as writers and I did as director, but he didn't yeah. as performer. Like, mm. For those, for the three people that are listening that are watching that don't know, you, you and Dave uh, created the Chappelle show together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And, uh, but that, I are don't you know still what. still close? Yeah. What year did that air? The Chappelle show? No. <laughs> St. Elsewhere? The St. Elsewhere death a- a- 83. That aired in 83. Yeah. I was nine. What are you watching at nine? That's uh, I, that's what a little dour guy I was. Like a little that, that, seer. I, I'd swear to God, I was watching that, going like, "This is riveting. This is riveting." And I remember, and the that shots. sent you into comedy. No, it sent <laughs> me into 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 therapy. Uh, I remember the shot. There's an overhead of you rowing, right? Yes, I remember the shots. It was Lake Powell in Arizona. Oh fuck. That's There's amazing. a three-quarter overhead of you rowing. What nine-year-old? You are so fucking weird. I know. I don't know. I just was like, this is not- Were you funny at that age? Yes. And I was funny, but I also D- Were had, you funny? Because like... your brother went into- com- Kevin went mm-hmm. into comedy before you. Mm-hmm. Were you- uh... That was very helpful. And that's what I was saying before we got on. But it was very helpful to have uh, someone that you're close with, that you knew was like your brother, and then- you're close with him yeah like especially back then that that you're he's my older brother so you know you kind of look up to him and you're close with him and then he does this thing and then that becomes a thing that you is realistically possible for you so i would i'm in high school and i would go visit him in new york and spend the whole night at the improv from he worked the door at the improv so i'd be there from seven to just his little brother standing with him yeah like 13 14 15 i would just sit at the bar and see like Attell, uh, Romano, Uncle Dirty, who you remember. I love Uncle Dirty. Yeah, Uncle Dirty was around, like asking him questions. Uh, At thirteen. Yeah, uh, Uncle Dirty. You're like from another planet. I, I, it's a very odd experience. You are odd. Yeah, uh, but that's uh, what makes you. Yeah, uh, something. Um, but the yeah, Uncle Dirty, uh, Mike Ivy, just like really good. Com- at Brian Regan, I saw Brian Regan when I was like 13, 14, crushing, crushing on like that. In those days, I, I, I used to watch, um, I, I loved, uh, and this makes me so sad, but Gilbert. Yeah. But Gilbert used to be the the consummate uh, comics comic. I never saw Gilbert ever do stand-up. I would hear him on Howard Stern, but I've That's, never- You never saw him? I've never seen him do stand-up. And, and when he passed- Chris Rock was like, I don't think I've watched anyone more than I've watched Gilbert, which it was, was really the surprising. best. It was the highlight, the highlight for me yeah. at uh, the improv or the Catch a Rising Star yeah. to watch Gilbert Godfrey. He was brilliant, funny. He was, I always hear that comics comic thing thrown yeah. around, but he really was. I think every comic would gather around to see him. So let me ask you something. So you go in, you're the younger brother, Kevin, who's a, a very fine comic. Is yeah. there any, because this is a very competitive sport. Yes. Do you compete? Do, does he compete? Because it seems that you've, if you don't mind me saying, you've had a little more success than him. No? I. This is a thing uh that's not a great area okay forget it uh but i don't mean it like we i spoke to your producer it's just like one of these i don't want to cause trouble no no, no, it's just one of those unfortunate things people will clip this and send it to him and then and then he'll trash me on another podcast well the fact that i said this and the way that you're answering it he won't trash you oh no he'll figure out a way 
I, my understanding, the good thing is people don't tell me about it. I hear about it like years later. Um, but I, I get wind of it and it's like, but you've been very complimentary. You said that he was, I mean, he was, he's older. He was here first yep. as far as in this world of comedy. He's hilarious. You, you looked, I do think he's hilarious yeah. and I think he's really talented. And the yeah. fact that you just said that and you, you know, he's hilarious. Yeah, and I've being... written, I used to, I would write pilots with him and try to like get stuff going like sitcoms and, and, uh, and then. And When's then, the last yeah. time you talked to him? It's been a while. Oh, can we get you together on this? Probably not. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. I feel bad. I'm Don't worry about it. I got one brother. I'm close to him. But That's great. I love when families are close. That's amazing. Yeah. Now I feel bad. I, I tre Did I tre tread on something I shouldn't have treaded on? I My nervous system's pretty disconnected from it. So in terms of, you know how you, I don't know if you get, I'm pretty sensitive. I'm sure you're pretty sensitive. Um, and easily kind of upset by stuff like that. I, it's just gotten to the point where I'm, I'm, there's so much of it in show business that I can, can compartmentalize it. Well, I will say as a third party, mm -hmm. um, if my brother and I, and I have a very close family, if my brother and I were, um, in the same business and, uh, and uh, you know what you're, um, kind of hinting at is listen, even if we're not related this competitiveness is i would go a step further america is very competitive right and there Humani is, there is humanity a, yes and there is a there's a uh saying a lot of times people say in america the first question people ask is what do you do for a living right and what they're really saying is how should i treat you because because wow. kind of deep yeah and it's really true and so trying to just be a human Sometimes what do you do for a living is just a, a way of crowd, saying I've, I've run out of material. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. But, and, but even on a plane or whatever, um, just like small talk, but it's in some ways it's like, what do you do? What do you do for a living is a bit like, what do you, how seriously should I take it? But here's what, how much attention or my take on how you're handling this right now is incredibly respectful yeah. and, and loving and if he does clip this, uh, uh, he's lucky to have you as a brother because you could make this into something. And I think you've been nothing but incredibly respectful. I, the thing of it is, I get it. I get his, I get, I understand. Uh, I, I understand if someone, I understand the competitiveness. No, I get, I'll tell you, my brother is not in comedy, mm -hmm. but my brother is a really funny guy. Yeah. He, lives, he lives in Toronto. He, he sells commercial lighting, you know, like for restaurants yeah. and malls. And he's, he's, he grew up in the same household as me. He's, he's, he's probably outwardly more, if you know me personally, I'm not a funny guy. I'm, I'm, I'm an introvert and I'm Most not, comedians are not that funny to talk to. And I'm serious. Yeah, I think my my resting uh, emotion is is serious yeah. and kind of dour, and 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 the 
thing about, you know, my brother will be out in public and he'll say something, somebody will say something and he'll come back with a, a witty retort. Right. And uh, my poor brother has to kind of bear the cross of going, oh, what are you trying to be, a comedian like your right. brother? Yeah. Oh, you're trying to be your brother? Yeah. And he gets that all the time. Yeah. You know, and I'm aware of it and it, it crushes me. I don't mean it. There's nothing I can do about it. And the fact is that you are a little brother who looked up to his brother, who opened a door literally for, for his little brother and went into it. And you're really smart and successful. And I know that that's hard. I know that that's I, of I do too, and that's the thing. That, and there's nothing you can do about there's it. Not a damn thing I can do about but it. But except what you're doing about it, and you're being a gentleman. Yeah, I. That's the least I can do. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like it's much of a stretch to be like a, because I know what it is to be reminded of someone who's not you, at, because everywhere I go, not everywhere I go, but once a day, someone will come up to me and go, "How's Dave?" almost every day Chappelle. like people a lot of people know and me. why are you taking that as being reminded of somebody better than you no, because no, no. well you, it's not well dave's way more success dave's more talented like i don't i i i i see where you're going with that and i appreciate it dave's a supernova do you know what i mean like yeah. i don't I, and somebody rock actually said one time like you're not competitive with dave because i there's no point it's not like we're it's a sprint and we're super close like it's he Dave, but here's what i found fascinating about you the ability to write and create you know you know each one of us every human being outside even outside the business has a tone mm -hmm. or has a um you know a, yeah yeah tone is a, a is, vibration yeah yes and you seem to be able to write to you know you you, you know I, i've had probably you know 10 failed pilots uh -huh. and the reason i had failed pilots you know they, they would come and see me in a club or they knew me this was in the 80s and they'd go how oh, we got to do abc wants to do the next howie mandel show and, and nbc wants to do the next and you play oh and, and then they would go we're putting you with a showrunner yeah and they always put you with for those that don't know the showrunner is king in this in this town and and i get it because when you're going to do a show a television show the cheapest show is in the millions yeah you know it's a million dollars an episode for a half hour of regular now four it's camera like three and a half right so it's yeah. a million dollars of television so in those days they gave you a, an, an initial order for 13 now it's maybe down to 10 but the, the, somebody had to say yes to 13 million dollars and because they saw you do stand up and because they think you're a funny guy that's a lot of money to put behind that but the showrunner is the creative person that can, they believe, guarantee that they can come up with not just one funny pilot script, but 13 weeks. Yeah, and weeks. potentially 100. Yeah, right, and potentially 100. And, and, and that's why, regardless of how excited they are about you, they always wanna put you with, the, like the Chuck Lorre's was right. well known in, in yeah. you know, he did the Big Bang Theory and yeah. Two and a Half Men, yeah, yeah. and, and the guy who did Ray Romano's show. And Phil Rosenthal, yeah. Yeah, so those are the people. So, but they always put me with somebody who, I'm not denying wasn't great. Right, but, but it's gotta be the right fit. But never, never picked up my vibe. Yeah. Never was even close to my vibe. Right. And I was always, uh, you know, kowtowing to the, well, this is what the network, what, you want right. to cancel? You know, I I wasn't like Roseanne who was strong enough to uh, say- Fire people. Uh, fire and, people and say that, that I wouldn't yeah, yeah. say this, I wouldn't do it like yeah. that. So I'm fascinated. And this is where I think the talent is. 
because I know I, I know you don't talk about it, but I know some of the sketches that you're responsible for, and there's some of the outstanding sketches. The fact that you had the ability to tune in to his vibe and create something that he could a a platform that he could blast off from almost means a little more to me. I'm not knocking Dave. No, Dave I got it, but Dave I don't, a, but a, the but the I would argue that I that wasn't the relationship. The relationship wasn't like come here kid, I'm going to like I was a doorman for, at a comedy club. So I went to and I went to um I would go visit New York, see my brother, see all those guys and then I got into NYU film school and I was going to film school and then I started working the door at a comedy club, the Boston Comedy Club in in the village in New York. And that was 91, 92, dropped out in 92 because I was working the door at night and the film students are the biggest cocksuckers alive and uh, they're just so pretentious and whatever. So it was like, I can either hang out with these pretentious motherfuckers or down at that club is uh, an unknown Dave Chappelle, an unknown Louis C.K., an unknown Sarah Silverman, unknown David Tell, unknown John Stewart, un all these people. And I was like, I think they're unknown Mark Maron. Un like, I think those guys are Wanda Sykes. Like, would she was a married to a man that like those? The, I like them. Like that seems more vital than these people. So right. I'm working the door at a comedy club. I start working uh, not anymore. Just pitching shit to comics like hey maybe say this maybe say that which is very aggravating like the first people's in dave actually says his first instinct when i pitched a joke to him was to like wince and then it was good and he was like oh so uh so and then that built that that grew into we wrote a couple bigger jokes together and then we wrote half baked together and then we did the tv show together but i was never uh a i like him do you know what i mean like and i'm i'm very talented but i have to kind of love the person but like, it's kind of like larry david and jerry seinfeld yeah but larry i don't know if i could do i don't there's something about dave and sketches like i wrote for all that on nickelodeon i wrote like i wrote some stuff in inner uh in the intervening years uh when i wasn't writing with dave but we were still friends and I love, I'm a very good, uh, like sort of like scent dog, like hound dog. If you give me the thing, like right. I'll fucking go and bring back. A but it's amazing that the same person writing sketches on all that is writing sketches on the Chappelle show. Right. He's writing right. for the, the daily thing, show. Right. right. Well, the funny thing is I was better at writing for, I was writing Chappelle show sketches for all that and it wasn't going so well. Um, you gotta know your audience no exactly like i just would have funny ideas but it just was like for the wrong wrong uh crowd so right. so i don't see that as like i was any kind of svengali with anybody i just i can i you, people have like a tone like you said a tone or a vibration or a frequency which is a word that me and dave kept saying when we started working on the show and you just sort of like you get this essence and it 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 in, if you do it correctly if it's a dank enough essence you can it can influence every it can influence the logo it can influence the production design it can influence cost it can everything right and so i'm good at that because i think that audience always 
is attracted to authenticity. Yes. And, you know, you need to change all the, if you have a tone, you know, it's like, you can have a nice shirt, but if you wear it with the wrong pants, it's not really a nice shirt. You no. don't have a nice outfit. And it's kind of like that same thing. So let me ask you, do you have, um, is there any of that tension between, just personal tension between you and Dave and Chris? Because I just think that you're on this, you no. really are on the same level as far as, you know, talent, I'm, I'm a, a judge on a talent show, and which is, this is, first, is a, this is the first I'm hearing of it. Yeah, but, uh, I'm not talking about AGT. Oh, fine. Wait, why, why, why? I do something at Sportsman's Lodge in Studio I City. I love it. Is this, on, is this on OnlyFans? Where can I find this, Howie? Yeah. Tell, <laughs> Howie, tell them where they can find it. A sportsman's lodge. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the, the, the thing that, I, that I'm saying is it's really subjective. Like more than anything, talent is, you know, I, I, I tell the story and I've told this ad nauseum, but the, the story about the first time in the 80s when I, after I did an HBO special, I sold out Radio City Music Hall two, ni- two shows in one night in, in like an hour or two. It's like 12, yeah. 15,000 Impossible. Seats. Yeah, at that time. And uh, I'm in New York and we're in between shows and, and um, 7,000 people are teaming out onto 7th Avenue and 7,000 people are teaming, are coming in. They're stanchions, the cops are, and my wife says, this is all for you, what do you think? And I thought in New York where there's 10 million people, 9,983,000 people don't give a fuck I'm here and don't like me. So whether somebody at this point has mo- more notoriety, what I find fascinating about you is your diversity in the milieu that you pick up vibes and succeed in like these are you know all that is a very successful show it really right. is i it's didn't a, create it though no i know yeah, yeah, yeah but you help sustain it sure you know and it, it, creating something and and writing on something is almost the same thing if you if you have a job well, writing on something weirdly is you're kind of doing an impression of the head writer Right, but not everybody can do this. It's no. like everybody in in life thinks, you know, uh, I saw Neil Brennan last night. He's so funny. You want to hear a great joke? And then they don't deliver it yeah, like yeah, you yeah. delivered it. Yeah. You know, they, they might know what's funny, but to be able to deliver it and to be able to deliver it and, and then your ability to do, I, I find that, and this is just my impression of what you do, my impression of what you do is kind of, deep and and diverse in the sense that you know three mics mm-hmm. you know it's like which conceptually is just brilliant you know it's just it's really different it's not anything right. these other guys would talk right. about it's not straight stand up but you can write straight yeah. stand up in that yeah. and then the the unacceptable the show you yeah, know yeah. you're it's like theater it's like film it's cinematic it's like you, you it's so thought out i think what dave's doing right now and who he has become since that time is brilliant you know yeah. it's kind of like a, and i think we need that voice right now yep. it's like the mort Saul of, yep. of you know uh, for anybody who's my age mort Saul was a kind of a good um uh, speaker on our times and our politics he's the guy i always say mort Saul is the james dean of stand-up meaning you know i went to see him live a couple of times i we tried to put him in a sketch in Chappelle show you did yeah uh but he he's cranky and he was like no i don't like it okay i saw him live woody allen was there like i there's a fucking hilarious woody allen mort Saul story which is mort Saul went to see woody allen at a premiere or something and bouncer wouldn't let mort Saul in and he and he told and he told the bouncer go tell woody that the guy who changed his life is here 
And uh, Woody comes over and goes, Mort, change it back. That, is that a real story? Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, and, uh, and so Mort's the one that said, young girls. Yeah. You got to go for exactly. really young yeah, girls. Real, and <laughs> close to home. Um, the, uh, the, but Mort's all was, everybody was like schmaltzy, sort of Jackie Mason-y. There was like one act that guy that stand-ups did there was like nightclub act my mother-in-law they was like right you'd hit the things and then Mortsall brought the newspaper on stage and just would talk extemporaneously and uh, like you ve- he would talk very quickly in case it didn't get a laugh and that that's how his style developed but before that no one had done that and then my understanding of it is after him then there was Lenny Bruce and and Mike Nichols and and uh Bob Newhart and that school what so to talk about the changing of comedy? I, I think that we are in the winds, in the midst of the change of comedy. I I've been a, a kind of a naysayer now on my interviews. I think comedy's dying. I think comedy's going away. I really do. Why? Uh, why is it? Why the box office receipts being what they are? They've never, uh, clearly, never been bigger. Are you talking about live stand-up yeah. comedy? Uh, I think there is a there's a, a handful of people, and because of the um, advent of of social media, which has a a, a great um, is a great um, communication that that allows people to more people are going to know about a show and know about what's happening and sp- spiral something into a much bigger um, controversy than it is. That being said. I believed what I loved, and this is just, and I'd love to discuss this with you. I I found um, stand up comedy, and I, I swear to you, I don't really care about notoriety or money or um, popularity. Uh, for me, it was my uh, freedom. For me, it was the first place where um, the, the example that I use in life, if you said something accidentally wrong, and somebody turned and was angry at you, you could get out of that by going, I'm only kidding. Right. Oh, I thought, I didn't know you were joking. I thought you were serious, so I'm not going to hit you. Right. And so comedy gave you the freedom. And I, and I always talked about, like, even when I was doing St. Elsewhere and when I was doing anything I've done, I always said my home was comedy because I was personally inspired by um Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And I was out here in the 70s when Richard was putting together, which I believe is the consummate, you know, live on the Sunset Strip. Mm-hmm. It probably inspired Dave and yeah. Chris. And it inspires everybody. I everybody. I, yeah. But what I noticed about it, or what I, in my dumb little head, was he got on stage and talked about things. It doesn't ring true today but he talked about things that were you know um before that the biggest black comic around was like cosby right you know who would talk about noah and he had yeah. these things and it was kind of soft and good yeah. family friendly and ed sullivan kind of like yep. and tonight show things and then this guy came on stage when he was writing that he had just um gotten out of the hospital after his freebasing mm-hmm. acts and he had the bandages still on yeah. his neck on the stage and so he was talking about overdosing. Um, you, you know his history. He was raised in a brothel, and he was. Were um, you a comic then? Yeah. And were you seeing him at the comedy store every night? And what George Wallace says, it was bad for a long time. Yes, but 
not in my mind. Right, but it was what was George amazing. Was like you'd have him go, you'd have you'd watch, he'd do an hour, you go, that's the worst hour of comedy I've ever seen, and he'd come back the next night, and you'd be like. It's actually worse than last night. He's like, it was getting worse. And then it just, okay, but and then it went through that the chrysalis it, and got incredible. Yes. And, but, but the, I'm not mad at the process. I just think it's funny that that's what happened. Cause historically, you go, he must have been a genius all the way through. It's like, no, but he was. See, to me, and I believe this freedom of speech and what you do and what I do is an art form. Mm -hmm. Everything's an art form. I think sure. living is an art form, yeah. but it's an art form. And the point is that if you watch somebody paint, which is the the best example of art mm -hmm. to the to the layman, you watch them splash black paint on a canvas. And you go, it's nothing. It's just a big black stain. And then you watch them put uh, some colors in it, and there, there's some shading. And then and then it's something. And then something starts to appear. And then oh my god, it's a like is that a tree? Is that a it's a landscape? And it, but every color went on. And what we watched, what we witnessed with uh, with prior is he would show up and splash that black paint out there, and he would go too far. And instead of laughter, you would hear a whole audience gasp. Right. <gasps> oh god. Or fuck, I can't believe he said that. Or he didn't. Yeah. And 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 he he had the bravery and the freedom to do that. And that is the way. I don't know what your process is, but that you have to fail. You have to fail. If I any, call it panning for gold, because I'm not. You know, I'm not. Uh, I ain't no genius. I gotta write. But there's I'm, no such I do thing. A, I do a show every week that's all new material, or as much as a lot of new material, and a. 80% of it does not work. Okay. And that's, so that was Richard Pryor. And the stuff that wasn't working, we're talking about in the 70s, in the late 70s, and the stuff that wasn't working was not only not getting a laugh, it was sometimes painful. Right, off-putting. Yeah, whether, whether it was religion, whether right. it was drugs, whether it was sex. Offensive even. Yes. Yes. At that time. But because we were in a comedy club, Yes. People, even though George Wallace is right about that, except that every fucking night you couldn't get in that room and every comic who was in town, every celebrity that you can imagine, the number one people at the box office, the number one rock and rollers and music, yep. they were all there watching the process right. and kind of understanding the process and watching the genius make this, this masterpiece. Yeah. And- what I'm saying to you today is, listen, Dave has that company where everybody's got to put right. their, their phone in a pouch. Yonder, yes. But, but that's beyond that. They're, Even, they're going to put, they're making a new pouch where you put your gun knife in it <laughs> and you can't attack Dave with a gun knife. Gun knife, I know. <laughs> what the, the fuck the guy was at the that? The Hollywood Bowl was holding a gun knife. What is that? I, nobody knows. It was a letter opener, wasn't it? <laughs> Wasn't it? It's uh, it seems like the back of a magazine or so. Like you buy it, whatever. So my to that yes. to that point, I I think that number one, if you tell a joke that is terrible and nobody gets it, I'll use Gilbert Gottfried as the first yep. example. You know, I'm not going to judge how funny that was, or maybe even if it was offensive at the time of the tsunami, it was the about right. the time, and maybe it was just an excuse for Aflac to get rid of him Maybe, because they yeah. were paying yep. too much. The, the fear that there was never a fear that I'm going to lose my job because I tell a joke, whether it's on social media, whether right. it's in a, in a club, when you're working on something. So yeah, there was never the thought 
when I show up at a comedy club, there is there used to be for me, and I'm talking about for me. I don't want. I want to be able to throw caution to the wind. I used to say I love stand up comedy because. There's no editing. There's no marks to hit. There's no commercials to throw to. I can just do what the fuck I want. Well, I can't anymore. Or, and so you were getting canceled. You were getting, um, uh, and, and a lot of people have been canceled and canceled from comedy. Or now I believe that. I would argue the list is not very long. The of list what? of people that have been canceled. Okay. For real. If you're talking about blow, but if you're talking about a few uncomfortable days on social media, uh, it's not like Dave was walking down the street and people were throwing shit at him. It's not like Joe Rogan's in any sort of mortal danger or the Roseanne, her show got literally, I mean, she got booted off her show. I'm sure she still gets paid for it. Um, that's I a think big, that's you're, you're making light. Of yeah, it? no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I would argue that it's, there are basically now Norm MacDonald lost his Netflix right. show. Uh, not for long. I mean, you know what I mean? Like he he lost, he didn't lose, it's still on Netflix. Um, but they weren't going to make any new episodes. Okay, fair. that's fair. Um, and he felt like he was canceled. I Yes, what I would say is there is guys like Joe, Dave, there's like that category, and Bill Burr I would put in that as well, where they don't have any corporate interests. They don't have any corporate um, relationships to lose. Burr used to do the joke, like, what are you going to do, take away my podcast? Meanwhile, his podcast makes so much money. It's crazy, right? Right. So, uh, but part of it is there's like the sort of underground uh, scene where Dave and Joe and, and Bill make millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, and they can say whatever they want, do whatever they want, they just can't, uh, and Dave's can be on Netflix and can uh, do kind of go. But I say thank God for Ted, you know, on, sure. on that Netflix, because I I think he's one of the few voices that is standing up for freedom of speech. It has nothing to do with you, you know, and I don't think people are. I think that it's relative. I think they'll stand up for Dave's speech more than some other people's speech because makes money. Yes, than Norm's speech. Right. And it's also what I don't remember the specifics of Norm said, but like, but, but, um, but like Dave's profitable. So, but now like a guy like Kevin Hart, who has tons of corporate relationships, is more susceptible to quote unquote cancellation. So the point is that we as comics, from the beginning of when I got into comedy, being part of that, you know, you're naming a handful of people who are surviving and happily surviving in their own little island of a career whereas if you call it an island that may be the mainland based on well i think that the, the corporate monetarily it's the mainland because no one's doing more bigger venues than joe dave and and uh bill yeah but you're, you're naming four there's hundreds of comics right but that haven't been canceled i'm saying Th they're also staying away from treading over that line i thought i for me it, as a comedian i would like to find that line and i wanted you wouldn't think of me like that because people know me from agt or deal or no deal right. or whatever that's but, the only thing you would lose if you were to do some do a uh, just agt and deal or no deal and all the things that i'm <laughs> no again but those are corporate things right you wouldn't lose this you wouldn't lose all the stuff you have going on you wouldn't lose it's a it's a corporate 
branding thing. If I'm, if, if Roseanne stays on ABC, the, the message would be, uh, you can say awful shit about black people and we're fine with it. Here's the other thing. And maybe it's just my shallowness. Uh, it's beyond that. It's also because of the advent of social media. I don't know that I could take the blowback, as you call it, that comes from people going, I hear you said something that was racist. I hear you I, said something I, that I, ap- I don't I, want dude, that. I, I, that's the part when people go, what do you think of Dave and Joe's controversy? I go, it looks too stressful for me. Well, that's that what I'm saying. So that stressful. was so this this yes. respite of freedom that I had has been taken away, and I can't be the only one. Where the thing is, I still show up. I've cut back. I don't. The fervor for stand up for me was that freedom to go anywhere I want, and now I can't. And now I, I, it's not much fun. Or when I leave stage, I go, "Did I do this?" Or I'm not doing this podcast. I'm not doing it live. Right. I'm not doing it live. And I will go in right after and go, did I say something? Yes. I don't think I have at this point, but no. I, did I say something that could, did I? No. Okay. So I, 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 that will get me the blowback because maybe I'm so thin skinned, you know, that I have the need now to just not, I don't need to be famous and I don't need to make a lot of money, but I, I cannot take being hated. Yeah. I, I'm with by, you like that. But I would argue that this is all a a, a function of comedy's never been more popular. So you know who it's this isn't the the two people that dealt with it in the eighties were Dice and Eddie, Eddie Murphy and Dice Clay, and Sam Kinison. And they were the three most popular comedians. It's a function of popularity. No one cares if I say if I I've done jokes that are fucking awful on stage. I've been doing a joke that that kills and it's really fucked up and I do it every once in a while if I think they can kind of take it. See, but I, that's what, this is the point. The point is when I've said it's like a painting, it's like saying you can't use the color blue anymore. The reason whatever it is, and I'm not asking you yeah. to say it, but the reason that kills probably, uh-huh. one of the elements besides however you built it and whatever the format of that piece is, is because it's so fucking wrong. Yeah. But that's, that, I would argue that that, but that's that's why dice, and that's why that's why like that's part of it. But but you took you then you just took away a color I can use because you I, can still use it. You're just not gonna be able to use it and do uh AGT like right. It's just a decision. It's like you can do it, but then you're opening yourself up to a high level of stress. And a high level of corporations that you deal with having to. Well, make I some think we're saying decision. the same thing, and we're agreeing, and we're just putting it in different. Yeah, I it's it's definitely different. It's but it's uh, a I, choice I, that ha- you that it's a precipice that kind of didn't exist before, and it's the volume and strength of the rejection and the disapproval has never been greater. And the flip side is. Dave could do an arena every night for the next year. Yeah. That's the, that's the downside. The upside is you're the most, you're the center of American culture. Seemingly I've been doing a joke where like every time I pick up my phone, it's like your friends, your friend fucked up. Chris, Dave, Joe, Kevin, people I know. It's like, uh Oh, I mean, it's, and I'm joking. It's every time, but it's like a lot where so-and-so 
every time you Twitter, John Mulaney, John Mulaney had Dave on a show. Uh, I was texting with Mulaney that night. You didn't mention it. You know what I mean? Like, but it, that's what I can't, I can't handle that stress. I know. And that's also a decision of, do you even look at it? Do you engage with it? Um, so uh, if you have the ability to not engage that, or you don't, because you're not mentioning the, and I don't want you to, but you're not mentioning even what the, the jokes are, but, if, right. but the, the point was that in the, in the arena of comedy, wherever it was, that was the freedom that is gone. There yes. are some people that are willing. It's like, it's like doing a stunt in the circus where they have a net right there are a few people that will still do the same stunt without the net i yes. like doing it with the net right yes you know so I, and and the fact that you've taken away the net yes it's just there's a lot of us that won't do it that are afraid to do it and i think that you know the world is poorer for it because of that our i would fear. it's a calculation that i'm on i think you're right I think that it you are right. I, I'll tell you a joke, and you can decide whether to keep this or not. This is on my – I by the way, I have a Comedy Central special where I say the N-word a bunch of times, and it's about being called the N-word, right? But I say it. Wait, and, but that's the older special. Yeah, but it's been out nine years, eight years, nine years. I've, like, you know what I mean? Like, and right. it's probably – and I don't – but it's – I'm not popular enough for it to be a problem. Well, the you would. The, the, the truth is, the if truth, I got more popular, it will be a problem. It'll come and bite you yep. in the way that uh, Kevin Hart, when he got offered the the um, yes the Oscars. Academy Awards. Yes. So if somebody comes to you and says, "We want you to do the Academy Awards," yep. I promise you. I of course I, that's and that's one of those things of like it's just there waiting for me. There's another joke on that special that I that I do. I'll tell you the joke. Do you regret that you have that? You can't take it back, but do you regret? Uh, I, but here's the question I ask. Have I made life worse for black people with that joke? And and I would argue that I me. haven't. I would just argue that I haven't. Well, like, you'd have, we'd have to ask a, a black person. No, I think white people should handle I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, of course. But I would just say, like, my impression is that life in America has not been made what worse What does Dave for say people. about that? Uh, I mean... I don't know. We never really talked. It's about being, it's like no one said it called me the N word more than him. So it's just this weird dynamic of like, I got to write sketches with the, N just, I don't know. I'm in a weird position You are like where I'm writing sketches, the N word family. And I got to call, I had to call Questlove and sing the theme song on his answer machine message. Oh my God. So the funny thing is, I the joke is like if I dialed the wrong number and just got some random uh, black family in Philadelphia going like, why is it? Why are these white people terrorizing us with theme songs? <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. I, yeah. So like, I but I think that those are landmines that are just sitting there. Of course, that I will totally... that that give you and and it'll blow up the fucking ceiling when somebody goes. You know what? And I've spoken about it on the Breakfast Club. I've spoken about it in like I've spoken about it a bunch. But I I absolutely know. Did that they edit it out? I didn't say it. Charlemagne just literally said, "Like you still say the N word." I, I literally, this is not even that long ago, a couple years ago, and I was like, wow. "Yeah." So, so like he sort of took me to task. The for, like friends or whatever, or maybe it's the body of work or whatever. The interpretation is that I'm not. The assumption isn't that I'm doing it to fuck with black people. 
I wasn't then, I'm not now. Well, I'm that's not... not the assumption. The assumption is not, it's not your intent. It's what that, the use of that word, what it brings up right. about the history. I, I would imagine a black person would argue and say just the fact that it's being used. It's unusable. It's not possible for a white person to use it without uh, some, without some uh, pain for black people. Even if it's the most so then you just, you righteous just, use of it, so it's you, impossible. So you just contradicted yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you, said I sure I, you said I, 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 I'm right. not hurting any black person. I but would, just, uh, right. But I could, I didn't say what the truth is because we'll never know what the truth is. Oh, I, I think can we'll argue We could that, read the comments. <laughs> right. I can argue that, that, uh, that no black people were harmed. And then I could also argue with that, like, it's impossible for a black person not to be harmed by the very mention of a white person saying it. Unless you, unless, unless you is, come from the, the school of thought that just being a black person, you are, you come from harm. You know what I mean? They're, your history. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, your there, history is possible. harm. Right. Like it, it, they, they, they unluckily had a horrible history at the hands of white people. Absolutely. So the, but, and then my, I have an odd white experience where I'm writing it and, da, 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 and I'm called it. And so, and then I talk about that. And is that even that's not, uh, it's, there's no possible way to do that without some harm. Can and I, I was approaching it from the place of like, I could do it where there's no harm, but maybe I can't. I don't think you can. Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah. I, I'm just going to change. I, yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm going to change subject for a second. You uh, were a, a renowned atheist. I was. No, I heard you talk about it. And I just stage. wasn't uh, a believer. I've never gotten any indication that that. Did that, you grow up? Uh, I grew up. Yeah, twelve yeah. years of Catholic school. Okay, and you were an atheist, and you yeah. talked about it publicly, and then you had an experience. I had an experience uh with a plant medicine called ayahuasca which is a peruvian uh brazilian amazonian uh basically two kinds of leaves they make a brew and you drink it in a ceremony and you my understanding of it is that to me my experience of it was that it would say god portal it's a portal to talk to the infinite and, and you did uh yeah and what have we learned y you're going to hell <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing god <laughs> mentioned uh i mean what did i learn what i learned was that it's a that it my that it was a uh uh that there is you know uh this is just our human lives are part of a continuum uh i would argue that we are all infinite spirits in these human bodies for this finite amount of time and then we'll go into we'll become spirits again after this and um and uh, my i i didn't get a lot of uh, my feeling is that religion is basically a game of telephone they've got the basics right that there is this power central yeah there is a central creation force but that's about it that's about the only thing in my experience that they got correct but there's no like the rules and the like the it it is a righteous force and it is a but the idea that like I'm gonna punish you for this and X and it, I didn't that's not what no I got. that's just 
control. Yeah. Yeah. But but so the the reason for taking the ayahuasca was to find this portal. The or, reason for taking it was happened? was um was uh, to deal with depression, to deal with clinical depression. And, and did it work? Yeah, it did. That's amazing. Yeah. You know, I had uh, Theo Vaughn on recently. Yes, who said I recommended. Really, I recommended. I, I I think he told me got that him you did. The, got yeah, him and brought him into the game. And he he's spoken highly. And then I got killed because I was uh, afraid. Uh, like I, I didn't know. I didn't know enough about it. And even my own listeners said, you know, you're not open minded. I am open minded now. Yeah. and I, I was wrong. And uh, what were I'm you saying? It's a drug and all that stuff. Well, but but I take drugs. Right. I, you know, what drugs do you take? I'm on Zoloft. Oh, and yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm so I was being very old school and stuff, but I'm open to whatever everybody that I have talked to has seemed to have a, um, a positive outcome, mm -hmm. somewhat positive outcome, yeah. or not negative at least. And there are people, you know, and I'm a proponent. There of, are people that can have negative experiences. I've had negative journeys, I've had negative individual journeys. Do you do it a lot? I haven't done it in like a year, but. Uh, I had negative individual journeys that ended up being positive, but in them were the the, the worst experience of my life. What is a bad journey? Uh, I don't know. Going to um, outer space and um, dying alone as the universe was was dying. It, so you hallucinate. You're, you, I mean, you're, 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 do you believe? Do, yeah, you, it's you, you're you're experiencing it. It's a first-hand, first-person experience of, in this so you're, case. You're not cognizant of where your body is? And no. It, wow. No. So, and that sounds terrifying. It's beyond terrifying. But. So what's the positive? Here's the positive. Four or five days later, you have you gone off Zoloft? No. Okay. When you go off antidepressants, whatever, it, or at least I won't say you, I'll say me. When I went off antidepressants, you have to go off antidepressants to drink. The medicine and and my the floorboards of my mood were a little moldy and soft like i was off antidepressants and i was a little like uh, i could really see myself going into a dip here right and after i had that bad experience the floorboards were firm and polished and never to be soft again is it a permanent fix so far how many trips have you taken uh i'd say about a dozen they're weekends though so it sounds like a lot but it's like five weekends so you do two nights wow you know you heard ron white quit drinking after he drank ayahuasca i did not hear that ron white did ayahuasca two nights has stopped drinking owns a tequila company quit drinking cold turkey and he's happy yeah and apparently he's fucking hilarious rogan said he's like sharper than he's ever been wow so yeah it's a but it's it's a it's a real uh it's it's i i i want people people should approach it with caution because it is so profound that it can't it's not a party drug it's not you can't it's the thing i describe where you know i'm in outer space and it's like that's not you can't be taught you i wasn't able to speak i'm not even there do you think you were gonna die um, I thought I was going to be locked in like on some Pink Floyd shit, uh, because before I went to that, my brain, you want to talk about terrifying, I would think 
the word like I'd go what and my brain would go and I was like oh fuck I'm stuck here and it but even thinking that I'm stuck was like proof that I wasn't you know what I mean? The, ours, the, the, I know you do it with like a shaman, mm -hmm. right? Does shaman that... again. It's you, it, that. That's an off-putting word. I, it's the word people use, but I like practitioner. Dispenser. But do they? Are they aware that you're the in that? guy? I've been to three different shaman or practitioners. Don't use that word. I'm, it's get that word has no place in this family. Um, I've been to three, and one is very good, and one, two are sort one of one out of three isn't. Yeah, it's not great. But well, the, again, that's the, the it, yeah. So you, I could talk to you for hours and hours. You're go probably one it. of Try the it. fascinating. Try me, try me, motherfucker. I dare you. I dare you. He's looking to uh, no. There. Okay, I'll keep. I'll continue. What do you want to plug? I, your new uh, your theater. I'm on the road. I know, but I'm are you on the road and are you doing, doing unacceptable? Unacceptable. Yeah. Which is a, and you're doing multiple. Uh, I'm doing Phoenix this weekend, Chicago, I think. This will be out. in a few weeks. How long are you going to be on the road doing Phoenix, it? Denver, until October, I think, oh. September. Uh, Phoenix, Denver, uh, Chicago, Philly, Atlanta, D.C., Boston. Is this going to be a Netflix? We don't like to say where it's going to be because I want people to come see it. Right. You know what I mean? You can't see. You want see it live, and it's never the same. No, it's just uh, it, experience. film. Filming something degrades it. What in, was your thought behind doing this? Because obviously, unacceptable is how the thought was that I was looking at my jokes. I had an hour of material, more or less, and I was like, "What am I getting at?" And what I was getting at was defending myself from all the ways I feel judged and all the ways I feel. Um, not accepted like i just the way the ways in which i stick out you know the ways in which i'm like abnormal whether it's like i don't really drink i don't really smoke weed i don't really uh i'm not like i'm a bad liberal i have a lot of like like sort of i don't i'm not like an animal lover i'm not i have a dog he's we're fine <laughs> um uh single never been married don't have kids you come close to being married uh not really who's not the, that i'm aware of who's the girl i say it with oh that's just I, you know what's funny is i did rogan and um when you do rogan and you talk about Aya waska that's kind of people reach out and she's a woman that reached out who's had a lot of like has a lot of experience and she was showing me this is the cool thing about being a, someone in the public eye she took me to a monastery in malibu that's behind a in a gated community and to just show me like it's like a spiritual um vortex it's like a strong spiritual just a fan like, reached out yeah wow. and took me to this this church. i don't know church. yeah uh, to, yeah to a to, to the to the grounds around a monastery that you can that's not open to the public so just shit like that and then we went to the country mart and saw me. howie mandel wow shopping with his, his daughter daughter his grown children own children i shop with them so um, and and so have you ever come close to getting married no i mean not that i'm no not really i don't what's I don't, the longest relationship you've been in two and a half years three years that's a lot yeah like it's a long like i'm not i'm not i'm not not married because like because i gotta fuck it's not that like it's like i gotta you know baby it's not 
sleazy. It's uh, more, I don't know. No, I kind of respect that. Listen, I'm, I'm happily married 42 years. I love that you don't, um, you have a really, it seems, I don't know you that well, but I think that you've kind of done things your own way. Mm -hmm. And I think that if more people did that and if more people didn't try to fit a mold or do whatever they think that path is, you know, we were talking before we got on the air about, you know, just investing and doing, doing business. And you realize, wow, it's kind of easy. You don't really have to know a lot, but people just don't do it. It's just intimidating. Because they don't do it because what people do is they, they get a job and then they, they buy a, a house or a place to live that maybe cost a little more than they're getting paid. And then they, they dig that hole, but there's ways to make money, but it's just at real easy that uh, as I, we were talking about a fourth grader could do. But the point is that, you know, I always say like Nike is my philosophy, you know, just do it, just do it, yeah just do it, fuck it up. Just do it. And I, I kind of respect anybody who does it your way. And your even your career is kind of jagged. Not, and so my and buddy did the, the joke. Book. Yeah, my buddy said, I made the joke. I'm like Benjamin Button and then I'm doing my career backward. I started as a, did a TV show, then became a nightclub comedian. Um, <laughs> then started doing open mics. Uh, the the way he said it, a buddy of mine, Brett Ernst, said that I'm like memento, where my, I'm, I'm trying to like it's completely out of order. Like I'm wait, I don't even remember what I. But the I have taken the road less traveled, but right. but the that's downside your creative, is the downside right. Is but well. that's also my personal life. The road I have taken the road less traveled. It's lonely, and that's kind of the point Are of the you show. Lonely? I'm not. I mean, I I have a line in the show like I've never been lonelier than being in a relationship I didn't want to be in. But there is something about it that's a that's uh, isolating, and I can get lonely, and I can get doubting, and I can get, you know, those are all emotions that there isn't a human being alive doesn't, if, even if they don't recognize they are experiencing. Yeah, sure, but but I so I certainly I would say based on the the uh, abnormality of my life you know, like all the things that I'm not. Cause I, I, the, it also came from a conversation I was having with the therapist. She's like, why don't you do this? And she's I go, where am I supposed to meet somebody? I don't drink. I don't smoke weed. I don't eat meat. That's its own fucking thing. Like where I have to go to different restaurants. How long has it been since you 12 eaten? years or something? Uh, like I don't, I have seemingly like racially confusing to people like have more black friends than white or, or like, are you like this? Uh, I'm, I'm, am I a writer or a comedian? Like, am I a director or a comedian? Like all of these, no, of course. But I'm just saying like, there's a a lot of, there's no things that I fit into easy categories. And, um, and you would think in this explanation that that would make you more open to more possibilities rather than less that I'm that all these things you are with more black people than white people. You are in a writing room, but you're also in the club. You right. are in, uh, you know, in all these different diverse. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. And I, do, it does make it. You're but, on, you're on Rogan talking by ayahuasca and then some strange, nice yes. looking lady takes you to a monastery, yeah. you know, like, so you, yeah. the, the answer isn't where am I going to meet people? You probably have more opportunity than the average person. 
in in uh maybe in the final analysis yeah but but it's also uh, uh it's nice to have peers do you know what i mean it's nice to have you may not have you may not have a lot of peers i bet you don't have a lot of peers you have your family right but it's nice to have like you mentioned keaton earlier right yeah you and keaton were going up for the same parts for eight years right then he becomes Batman and all that shit, right. which is not a thing you were probably even especially interested in. Well, I was telling you, you asked the question and I didn't answer it, but I, the reason I have no desire to ever do a movie is because I didn't like the idea of saying five lines and then go standing 30 in. times and then go to the trailer and wait mm-hmm. two hours yep. and then say another thing. Out of context, there's yeah. no rhythm to no. it. There's no vibe yeah. to it. Yeah. And then uh, hand it over to somebody else yeah. That you don't really know. Yeah. I, mean, I think I trust you, but hand it over to somebody else to put this together yeah. and to create something. And it's like you were talking about uh, when you went to NYU, the actors were boring and the comedians. The you know, film students were boring. Yeah, the yeah, the yeah. film students. But the film yeah. students, what do they really learn? The, 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 unless they were writers themselves. Right. Most of those people are just pretending yeah. what somebody else tells them to pretend. Yes. And the people who are comedians and writers yeah. are the people that have maybe some gravitas something yeah. yeah so so it's a it's a it can life can be lonesome so it's just a it's a way in which uh my the lonesomeness of my choices made me kind of turn on myself it's what happened to a lot of people during covid which is you because people are isolated our cave brains tell us i'm isolated that means the tribe rejected me and therefore you start picking at yourself and it's basically what happened to a lot of people during covid they, that's why depression went up and uh drug use went up and uh, drug overdoses went up and alcoholism went up and domestic violence and all it all went up because people are social and were denied that and made the wrong assumption about themselves i think my brain made the wrong assumption about myself which was there's something wrong with you that you want all this stuff and the show was about trying to find some uh, transcendence in in my choices. Are you doing it in LA at all? Yeah, I'm going to do it at the end of the summer. I want to come see it. You're you're. And are you going to do it at uh, just for 30, laughs? Thirty percent off. Are you going to? Oh, I'm going to do it. Thank I'm going to do it just for laughs, Montreal. Just for laughs. Well, I'll be on there. Sale now. I'll yeah. come see you. You said I can come. No, you no plus come. one. You said no plus one. I said, and I, I said it'll just be you. I'm going to clear the theater out. I need you a one man show. I need. You and you're talking about one man in the one audience. Man in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Well, I cannot wait to see it. I I'm so thrilled that I bumped into you. I am such a I'm big a, fan. It's a, I'm such a big fan of yous, and I can't it's of yous, and I can't. God bless. That's my um, daughter. Uh, Sorry, I'm late. <clears throat> I do the, this podcast with my daughter. You guys are a very cool dressing family. Those are the pants she was buying when you bumped into us at the. Those uh, are not the actual. She was. I swear a kilt. to God, it was a kilt. I know she tried at. on the kilt. She didn't take the kilt. She took these pants. Okay, I'm ready. You guys are a very... All right, here's my question for you. I know why women dress as you. <laughs> Did we start from the beginning? <laughs> no, I think she was so late, they, they ended it. They're ending it? But let's... We'll continue. Okay, we can keep going. Let's I love keep going. It. What a mess. Yeah, um, we are. You that, are that's what we should have called this podcast. Um, <laughs> you... I get why girls dress cute, Howie. What are you getting at? Because guys only dress. Are you flirting? The guys I know that dress cute are doing it to get laid. 
And you don't think I'm trying to get laid? Well, it's I, it doesn't seem to be going. You met my wife in the other room. I, well, I yeah, want her to go. Work? Wow, nice pants. Take if those off. If she buys them, doesn't it sort of? Oh, it ruins it. Kind of ruins it, right? I've lost my mojo. Like forty-two years of marriage loses mojo. Why did you dress cute? Are you trying? To... He picks my clothes for me. Is there any truth? Are you being honest? I'm being completely honest. I was there when we saw you. Those mm-hmm. are the pants in Malibu that he chose for me, and so. I mean, I said he dresses cute. I dress like married? him. Mm-hmm. How's that? How how's, <laughs> how's that going? How's that work with the husband? Uh huh. That's one of those things where if the husband you go, yeah, great. She's married with two kids. You're and who picks out your kids' clothes? They do. A third party. Actually, wanna... you guys kind of do too. They do. They buy all my kids' are clothes too. Are you into fashion, Howie? No, not at all. I Why just, are you picking out her clothes? Any reason to try to hang with my kids? <laughs> come on, oh, yeah, yeah. Come People out, really come out. I'll buy your pants. That's the only thing that's given me pause about not having kids is how much every single person I know loves having kids and loves their fucking kids Lo- to a person. I love my grandkids even more than I love my kids. Why? Uh, it's it's everything you get out of kids without the shit. Right, without literally the work. without the yeah. shit. Without, <laughs> you know, they change them at home. I don't have to yeah. do anything, so there's no downside. But uh, I said to her on when I saw you on Saturday, I said, "Come to Malibu." She goes, "Nah, I'm sitting with the kids. Come on, come to Malibu. I'm going to buy you an outfit. Well, I'll buy you. I'll pay it for an outfit, and I'll buy you an outfit. So that's why. Uh, that's why." You How old are you? You didn't though. I bought myself he's talking, this outfit. He's talking to you, daughter. I'm Thirty-seven, daughter. Um, tell me your name. Jacqueline. Jacqueline. Um, you didn't do the. Howina thing you didn't do the thing where you give them a <laughs> like uh will, the, will the, and jade no, like, yeah george george, george Foreman they're all george all george yeah will smith and jada did a thing where they it's willow and jaden which i hadn't yeah. put together it took me a while to put, to, put i did together. that with my kids are you friends with will yes i know have you spoken to him yes how's he doing that's the one guy we haven't heard from um, I don't feel at liberty to speak about it. Can Sorry, you sing about it. I can. <laughs> Two, three, four. Um, um oh, okay. that only to that theme song. All right, so Dyna- don't, that that don't um, speak about it. But you're, uh, but it's an interesting dynamic because you're also really good friends with Chris. Yeah, it was it was a it was a wild it was a wild time. Um, <laughs> that I that at I don't even know if I'll ever talk about it uh uh like like what it, yeah it's it's too it's too wild too wild. it's also very fucking private and very that's Public. where i'm saying where i pick the phone up and it's like what like just the amount of your friends and like it that's the weird but you were getting it from both sides probably after that right yeah yeah which is I, can i look at your phone after off the air I would love for you to look at it, off, put off the air. I'd love to see it. Well, then I'm going to get off the air. I can't <laughs> wait for you to what see a, my private <laughs> text. What a, you know what? For nothing else, I could talk for hours, but I'm more interested in what's on his phone. So until uh, next time. Why are, uh, we why? never figured out the clothing thing, but God, you're, you're cutely dressed. You're like a Fred Thank Siegel you. family. Oh, you're talking to her or me? You're both in the same family. And we're all kind of similarly dressed. And they're all sort of cool, like expensive shit that looks no those pants were not the expensive well yeah they, you were at the sale, the sale. Uh, you were at the sale i heard the a sale, sale. sale and i said come on to you a sale to, you a jewish to, father you hate to apply jewish stereotypes <laughs> but, but we the, just did we did we got there okay so we've covered everybody 
We've covered it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect.